Welcome to the Northeast Christian Podcast. We're so excited that you've decided to check out our weekly messages. We hope that you're challenged and inspired by what you're hearing today. We'd love to have you join us this weekend at one of our campuses or online at northeast.live. For more information on Northeast, visit us at necchurch.org. If you love the Northeast podcast, subscribe to our channel and leave us a comment or a rating in the Apple Podcast Store. Hi, my name is Richard Mosqueda, and I am the spiritual formation team lead, which means I'm the team lead for men's ministry, women's ministry, groups ministries, and new members, and I love it. I love being one of the pastors here. Uh, This is a special place. Well, now that you know who I am, let's go ahead and just dive into our topic. Uh, Actually, hang on. Before we dive into our topic, uh, there's a game that I like to play. It's called Would You Rather? And I've always wanted to play with a big group like this. So we're going to try it, okay? So it's almost like, would you rather have Coke or Pepsi? And you just answer. You don't have to yell it. Just answer where you're at. Uh, and if you're online, I-, I want you to play along too. And you can even type um, your answer in the chat. All right, we ready? All right, we've got our high schoolers here. I'm expecting big things from you. All right, Mexican food or Chinese food? All right, I think I heard more Mexican food there. Skyline or White Castle? I heard Skyline, but the answer was neither. <laughs> Woken up by alarm or music? Music? Okay, some of the, Own a cat or a dog? Okay, that was unanimous. That was dog. Own a cabin in the mountains or a beach house? Beach house? Okay, I heard more of that. Last one, be known for your looks or your personality? Personality, <laughs> Person, a bunch of liars. <laughs> Today we're talking about loving the bill in the workplace. And that really means loving like Jesus. And that's what we're going to be focused on today. So, but I want to start off by telling you a little bit about my journey into the business world. So I went to Bible college and I moved to Louisville. I started working for a church. And after many years of ministry, I went to lunch with a friend of mine. And this friend was a business owner. And he's like, Richard, I'm really struggling. I don't know, you know, I'm really having a hard time here leading and directing. And I took out a napkin and I said, why are you doing it this way? Why wouldn't you do it this way, this way, this way? The next day I get a phone call from this friend and he says, Richard, I couldn't sleep last night. I just kept thinking about what you said. He goes, can I hire you to meet with me once a month? I was like, sure, that's fine. And after a little bit of time, he's like, can I hire you to be with my managers? It's like, okay. And then he's like, can I hire you to meet with my employees? So he just kept going. I found myself at another lunch, another business owner. He was struggling. I gave him some advice. He says, can I hire you to coach me? Happened a few more times. And I started thinking, I shouldn't quit going to lunch. (laughs) Actually, what I was thinking was, God, what are you doing? What are you doing here? And one of these businesses asked, can we hire you full-time? And at first I said no, but eventually I started working for a great company called America Roofing and Metal. And over time I got promoted to be the vice president of the company and I loved it. So much so that I remember going for a walk with my wife and we were talking about this job that I loved. And I used to have churches I would call every so often. And I just said, you know what? I'm done talking to churches. I love my job so much. I said, the only church that I would listen to or talk to is if Northeast called. Two months later, Northeast called, and I was talking to Rhonda. And once again, I was thinking, God, what are you doing? 
But loving the villain in the workplace, it is so hard. I know it is hard to make impact. If you don't say anything, people don't know what you stand for and you won't have any impact. If you say too much and you're too vocal, you'll get in trouble with HR and that's not a good thing. So what I wanna do is I wanna share with you a little bit about what I've learned. And so the first thing is that uh, God has a reason for where you are. God has a reason for where he has you. I believe that God has a plan for our life. God is always at work. There's a great story in the Old Testament, the story of Esther. And we start with this king. His name is King Xerxes, and he decides to throw a party. And here's what it says in Esther 1.4. For 180 days, he displayed a vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and the glory of his majesty. The party lasts 180 days. That's one heck of a party. For those of you who aren't math majors, that's six months. Okay, and so he's showing off his wealth and sometime in this party, I don't know if he has been drinking too much or what's going on, but then he decides he wants to show off his wife, the queen. And so he has her come out. Some commentaries say that he wanted her to come out just wearing the crown and that's it. This queen goes, mm-mm, not happening, not doing it. And every woman in the room thinks, what? Amen. She didn't come out. This did not sit well with the king. He got mad, made him look bad in front of his friends. And so he throws her out and says, you're fired. Four years go by, the king's lost some battles. He's a little bit down. Uh, and so one of the king's advisors comes up with this idea. He goes, hey, let's throw a beauty contest. And the winner becomes the next queen. So this is like the first version of the TV, uh, uh, TV show, The Bachelor. This is what's happening here. And there was a young, beautiful orphan that enters a contest. It's Esther, and she wins. Look what Esther 2.15 says. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. And this is when we kind of think, oh, what a lucky break for Esther. No, God was working. Because you have to understand, God is always working. He always has a plan. So she wins this contest. Cinderella story, rags to riches. Life is good. She's living the good life. Esther is, is living it up. But there's a problem. There's a guy by the name of Haman. And he wants to get rid of all the Jewish people. And he wants to kill all the Jewish people. And so the Esther's uncle comes to her and says, hey, you need to talk to the king. And Esther says, no, I can't. You got to understand in Bible times, you can just approach the king. If you approach the king without an invitation, you were killed. Unless he lowered his scepter and he would spare your life. So Esther's like, I have a good thing going here. Why would I go and jeopardize that? But Esther's uncle says something that's so wise. Look at this in Esther 4.14. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your families, uh, you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come into this royal position for such a time as this. And this uncle puts it in such perspective. Why do you think you won that contest? Do you think it's just because you're pretty? Could it be that God puts you in this spot for such a time as this? We forget that sometimes, don't we? God has you where you're at for a reason. You didn't get there because you're so gifted or you're so talented. You are there because God has a plan and he has placed you right there. And there'll be moments and there'll be opportunities that, that God has put you in. And you need to realize that you're in those situations for such a time as this. There's a verse that blows me away when I read it. And I'm gonna read it to you. It's Acts 17, 26. From one man he made all nations that they should inhibit the whole earth. 
And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Okay, this verse says that God appointed everything and he has a plan. I I want you to think about that for a minute. Do you realize how different your life would be if you were born 20 years sooner or 10 years later or if you were born in three states over or in, in another country? Your life would look totally different. Your spouse, your kids, your job, your friends, your life, totally different. I have the best wife, and I'm so thankful for her. And I think about all the different things that God had to do to orchestrate and to line things up for us to even meet. Have you thought about that? Think about all the things that God has orchestrated and lined up to have you, to, for your life to be what it is today. God is so good. One of our favorite verses is James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. You have to understand, God has you where you're at for a reason. The people in your life, the people you work with, they are there for a reason. We need to realize God has a plan. He's always working. Second thing that I learned is that we have to be a light. And I'll read a verse to you that a lot of people, a lot of people don't like. Matthew 5, 14 through 16, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If you're an employee of a company, how are you letting your light shine? And I know a lot of us kind of fall back into this whole thing where you're like, well, I'm not really vocal about my faith, but I just hope that people realize that they see something there. That's true, but how are they gonna know what you stand for? We have to be intentional. When I was in high school, I was convicted by this verse in Matthew 5 about being a light. So what I decided to do, I came up with this plan that I was gonna take my Bible to school. And what I was gonna do is I was just gonna put it on the edge of the desk. And that was really scary. And I remember the first time I had it, I had my backpack and I opened up the zipper and I, had, I was holding on to it and I go, okay, here we go. And I took it out and put it on the edge. You should have seen the conversations that started. The, thought, the thing that shocked me the most was how many people would come up to me and say, hey, will you pray for me? And I have to admit, that was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my young faith. But I thought, if I'm gonna do this God thing, I'm all in. If you want people to know what you stand for, take your Bible and put it on your desk. It could be at school. It could be at work. People will notice. How are you being intentional about your faith? I told you, my last job, I, I worked for a roofing company. And the president of the company and I came up with this idea. We bought some Bibles and we highlighted our favorite verses. And then we got a sticky note and explained the meaning of these verses and why they are important to us. And then as somebody would talk about uh, faith or they someone show interest, we would hand them a Bible. Now, I wish I could tell you we have all kinds of stories of us handing these Bibles and that two weeks later we baptized them here. But that wasn't the case. The question is how effective was the plan? I don't know. But we're not called to have instant uh, gratification or instant results. We're called, we're basically called to plant seeds and watch God do his thing. And so I think a lot of times uh, there's no magic formula. If God calls you to do something, do it. So this verse that a lot of us, you are the light. 
See, a lot of us don't like that verse because a lot of us just want to fit in, don't we? We want people to like us. We want to be like everyone else. And God says, I have a different agenda. You are the light in a dark world. And so here's the deal, guys. It's not supposed to be easy. But we want things to be easy. Look at this report that was read from the U.S. Forest Service. And these are backpackers. I don't know if they had like a little comment box or whatever, but these are actual real comments from people. So I'll read you some of these comments from the from U.S. Forest Service. This first one. Trails need to be reconstructed. Please avoid building trails that go uphill. <laughs> Too many bugs and spiders. Please spray the area to get rid of these pests. Chairlifts are needed so we don't get to the wonderful views without having to hike them. This one's my favorite one right here. This next one coming up. A McDonald's would be nice at the trailhead. <laughs> All right, next one. Too many rocks in the mountain. And the last one, Cody's made too much noise last night and it kept me awake. Please eradicate these annoying animals. <laughs> Seriously, we want results without putting the work. It's not easy being a light. It really isn't. It takes courage. But I want to tell you, it doesn't happen. And I'm afraid to tell you this, but it doesn't happen unless we're connected to God. Because the way it works is we are connected to God and from the overflow of our life, we shine. Look what Acts 4.13 says. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live in a way that people take note because we have been with Jesus. We need to be connected with God and allow him to shine through us. But I have to admit to you that I'm clueless at times. So let me explain to you what I mean by clueless. I remember when I stepped into the business world, I thought I'm no longer a pastor. I work for business now. And it, which I was a little relieved at times, to be honest with you, because when people ask you, what do you do for a living? And you say, I'm a pastor. People go, oh, and they kind of do one of these. You think I'm kidding. But the reaction when you say you're a pastor is crazy. But I remember I was at this Christmas party uh, for this business company Christmas party. And they asked me, will you share the meaning of, will you share, uh, will you talk about the meaning of Christmas? I said, sure. And I still remember what, what, how I closed the whole talk. I said, it's all about Jesus, always has been and always will be. He's answered your problems. He's answered your questions. He's answered your life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. You want life to the full? It's found in one place, and that is Jesus. There's 300 people in this room that I got a chance to share this with. Afterwards, someone came up to me. I said, Richard, that was really good. You could be a pastor. <laughs> and it made me laugh. But here's where I'm clueless. I've been a pastor for, I had been a pastor for many years. And I thought I stepped in the business world. In my mind, I was no longer a pastor. And that night, standing in front of 300 people, standing in front of 300 people, it hit me and it hit me really hard. It doesn't matter where you work. You are a pastor. And that hit me really hard because that's the thing for all of us is that God has called every single one of us to be a pastor. It doesn't matter where you work. You could work at a courthouse, you can work at a bank, a hospital, a school, Taco Bell. 
You are called to be a pastor. You are called to be a light in a dark world. And that's how God wants to use us. The third thing I've learned is that we're all broken. I've been part of churches where people walk around like they're perfect and everything is great and they have no problems whatsoever. I would like to make a shirt that says, welcome to Northeast, what's your problem? (laughs) And if you tell me you don't have any problems, then I know what your problem is. The problem is you're a liar. Because we're all broken and we all have problems. And it seems like COVID in our culture has broken us even more if that's even possible. We need to be the church now more than ever. People are broken in need of a savior. And the thing is, we don't need to be judgmental. We, don't need, we need to be looking for creative ways to love on people. We need to love on people and help them bump into Jesus. That's really what we need to be doing. We don't need to change people. We need to allow Jesus to change people. Our job, to love people. This place right here, this should be a hospital where we're looking for ways to take care of people because people are struggling. They have depression issues, chemical imbalance, anxiety, anger management, alcohol abuse, death of a family member, financial trouble, stress, gender identity, health issues, cancer, chronic pain, miscarriages, divorce, relationship problems, addictions, and insecurities. We need to be the hospital. Look what Mark 2.17 says. And this is Jesus talking. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Whether you realize this or not, you are working with people that are hurting. And God has put you in their life for a reason. And you need to be the light and point them to Jesus. It doesn't matter if this is in a work or at your school. I heard a stat recently. It said two-thirds of our teenagers are struggling with anxiety. That is scary. My question is, what are we going to do about it? We need to be the church now more than ever. And I know as I'm saying this, some of you guys are thinking, there's no way I can do anything. I wouldn't know what to say. I don't know the Bible that well, Richard. One of the things I've found is that Satan's most effective tool is discouragement and the lies that he tries to use on us. And I can tell you that if you start being serious about trying to love the vill, he's going to try to come and discourage you. And if I was honest with you, as I'll tell you, that I was preparing for this sermon, it it just wasn't coming together. It wasn't coming together, and I started to get discouraged. And I started thinking, I haven't preached in over five years. And the lies start kicking in. It's going to be terrible. It's been way too long. This is not a good idea. I should text Tyler right now and tell him I cannot do this. You ever listen to the lies? You aren't good enough. You can't make a difference. They won't listen to you anyways. First Timothy 2.4 says this, God wants everyone to be saved and to fully understand the truth. God wants everyone to be saved And his plan, to use a bunch of broken people to reach other broken people. How crazy is that? Tyler, who speaks up here and does a great job, he's broken. He's got problems. Would you like to know what they are? (laughs) 
have a list here that I made. <laughs> Actually, if I read this, I'll probably never be up here again, so I'm not going to read anything. <laughs> but even Tyler's broken because we're all broken and we'll have problems. Remember, you're not called to change people. We're called to love on people and point them to Jesus because Jesus is why. The fourth thing that I've learned is that we don't understand our purpose in life. If I was to ask you, why are you here? I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about why are you here on earth? What were you created to do? And if you were honest, you'd probably start answering things like, well, I'm here to be happy. I'm here to make money, to make a difference, to raise my kids, to make the world a better place. And we could just keep going on, on and on and on what your purpose would be. But according to the Bible, you're created for one thing, and that's found in Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. So basically, the Bible lets us know why you're created. You're created to glorify God. And I know as I say that word glorify, that's such a churchy word. So here's what that word means. It means that you are created to reflect God's greatness. Acting in ways that reflect his greatness. And according to the Bible, God is the main star in the movie of life. And we're supposed to glorify him with every aspect of our life. But you know what? We don't like that, do we? Because we want to be the main star. We want to be the main star in the movie of life. And so we're always looking for ways to glorify ourselves and make ourselves look better and get more popular and get more well-known. And, and so that's what we're doing. We're going through life trying to make ourselves known to others. And I would even bet to say that if you've struggled in your Christian walk, it all comes down to this one thing, because we're trying to glorify ourselves when really you were created to glorify him. My goal as a pastor in Northeast Christian Church is to help people understand their purpose. I want to read you a vision statement for the spiritual formation team. It says, helping people understand who they are so they can do what we're called to do. Helping people understand who they are so they can do what they were called to do. So who are we? You are a child of God. You are sons and daughter of God. And sometimes we forget that. We want people to understand and discover the true identity of God. I think sometimes what, these days you have people that have what I call buffet theology. So here's what happens. It's like, ooh, I'll take a little of that. I'll take a little of that. Ooh, I really like this. And before you know it, you've created an image of your own God instead of the God of the Bible. So loving the villain in the workplace, we gotta remember God has you where, you where you are for a reason. You are called to be a light. You are a pastor. We need to be the church now more than ever and that you were put on this earth to glorify him. So those are the four things, but now we're gonna jump into the practical application here. So if you've checked out at all on me, I need you to come back right here, all right? I need you to come back because this is where we're gonna talk about some things. So I remember being at a, a church in Arizona, my home church, and they had these pipes and they had this piano and it was beautiful. And, and so I remember walking into the sanctuary and there was a lady that was practicing and she was getting ready for the service. And I went up to there and I sat next to her and I said, wow, this is beautiful. It sounds great. And I said, I really want to play the piano. I've always wanted to learn. And so I'm just telling her all about this. And she looks right at me and I, she goes, no, you don't. And then starts playing the piano again. Okay, and I was like, okay, that was a little bit rude. 
And I have to wait. And I'm like thinking in my head, all right, what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? When she gets done playing, and so I'm like, I'm like practicing what I'm gonna say. And so she gets done playing, and I'm like, I just jump right in. And I'm like, oh, I, I really wanna play the piano. I think it'd be great. And I wanted this and this. And so I'm just like telling her all about it. And she looks right at me again. And she goes, no, you don't. And starts playing again. By this time, I'm getting irritated. And, I'm, and it's getting awkward, by the way, too. I'm, I'm just sitting right next to her and waiting for this. And so she finally gets done playing. And by this time, I'm like rehearsed and I'm ready to hit, even hit harder, okay, with, with my argument. And then right when I'm getting ready to say something, she stops playing. She looks right at me and she goes, no, you don't. If you want to play the piano, you'd have a piano. You'd be taking lessons and you'd be playing right now. And my jaw just dropped. And it was one of those few times in life where I had nothing to say. And I walked away and I was walking. I thought, she is absolutely right. Because if I wanted to play, I would have done something about it. We talk about, I want to get closer to God. I want to make a difference. What actions are you doing to really make those things happen? John Mark Comer says this, our time is our life and our attention is a doorway to our hearts. You invest your time where, where, um, on the things you really love, don't you? Do you really want to love the ville and the workplace? If you do, you got to be intentional about taking steps on loving people. I want to share with you uh, one of my fears, okay? I fear Judgment Day. And some of you guys, oh, God, Richard, I do too. I fear Judgment Day. And it's not because I'm afraid I'm not going to make the cut. I already have my house picked out. I'm good, okay, in, in that aspect. But the reason I fear Judgment Day is that the day that I'm standing for Jesus is because the Bible talks about we will be held accountable for the things that we've been given. Our gifts, our talents, our resources, we'll be held accountable for those things. And when I stand before Jesus, I want to know, did I do enough? Did I use my resources? Did I use my gifts, my resources? Uh, all these things for his glory. Did I maximize them? And I look at our church and we have so many talented people here. And we have so many gifts and so many resources here. And I guess my question to you is, how are you leveraging what God has given you for his glory? How are you leveraging? What are you doing about it? Because after all, our whole purpose is to glorify him with every aspect of our life. And remember this, you have what you have because God is good. You have what you have because God is good. I started thinking about all my favorite things in life, things that are, and my favorite things always change because of our age and different stages of life. And so I, I wanna walk you through some of my favorite things. And so hopefully some of you guys can relate to this and some of you will really be like, okay, you're really dating yourself here by showing some of this. So here we go. When I was a little kid, I loved Candyland and the Slinky, all right? Some of you guys are like, what in the world is a Slinky, all right? The next thing, candy. I loved candy when I was a kid and I liked nerds and I liked Fun Dip and uh, Ring Pops. There they are. And then when I got a little bit older, I, I you know, got into toys. And as far as the toys, like Etch-A-Sketch, G.I. Joe, you know, and then Atari 2600. All right, and I actually thought these graphics were good. Look at that. That's ridiculous. Those are awful. I assume you guys can relate to that. And then I got a little bit older and I loved, start loving music. And this is, this is where I really date myself, okay? And high school students, this is gonna shock you a little bit, but I'm gonna talk to you about the world that I lived in, all right? And so glad you don't have to do this. But if you wanted a song, so here's what you had to do. You could go to the mall and buy a cassette tape that had one good song on it and it cost a lot of money. 
Or here's the other option. You can record it off the radio. So here's what you had to do, though, if you wanted to record it. You had to get your cassette. You had to put it in your boom box. You had to turn on the radio and just do what you did. It's just kind of go through your day. And then when you heard your song, it doesn't matter what part of the room you're in, you came running to go to the recorder, to the boom box, and you had to hit, and this is the craziest thing, you had to hit play and record at the same time. Okay, why they didn't have technology to be able to make one button, I don't know. But you're running and you're like falling over and you're hitting these buttons. But when you got one of your songs, that was a favorite thing. Other favorite things, ice cream. I love ice cream, still do. Sitting at the beach, favorite thing. Taking walks with my wife, favorite thing. I've heard recently by Jacob, our high school pastor, that my next favorite thing be Crocs with socks. <laughs> Probably not going to be one of my favorite things, but that's what I've heard. But these days, let me show you what probably one of my favorite things is. It's when I see this. Let me explain. I have a daughter by the name of Lila. She's two and a half years old. Let me show you a picture of her. Isn't she cute? Isn't she cute? Okay, come on, that's much better. She's adorable. And there's times when I will come home and I will hear this daddy's home and she will come running and I'll get a hug. And it's one of my favorite things. And then there's other times when she'll fall and she puts her arms up and she wants me to pick her up and hold her. And I love it. And I started thinking about what are some of God's favorite things? And I think it's when his children run to him or when his children are excited to be with him or when his children say, God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm done doing my things and I want to do your things. When we put our hands up and go, God, I surrender my life to you. Do whatever you want with me. So the way I want to close out to this morning is I wrote four prayers that I'm going to put up on the screen and when I get done, I'm going to ask you to reflect on them and just pray those prayers. Write them down if you want and put them in your um, playbook. But before we get to that, I just want to remind you, when you remember who we are, you are a child of God. We are sons and daughters of God. And we need to lay down seeking after our own glory and go after his glory. Because that's what we were created to do. What does God want? He wants this. We surrender ourselves and we say, God, do whatever you want to do with me. We need to get refocused on what we're created to do. So let's spend some time reflecting, spend some time with God, and then we'll continue with worship.